And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro, and once again, as almost always, I am joined by Dr. Bill Robinson. I I think we should have, like, some masterpiece theater music here. Dun, 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 or, like, uh, Vivaldi, The Fourth Seasons. So you want to create the illusion of us being sophisticated. You mean like our protagonist, <laughs> if he could be called that anymore? Well, the, the difference is, I think he, uh, our protagonist yeah. or our main character to this point, let's call him that. I think this, he's yeah. he's convinced himself that he's that. Oh yes, we we, we live under no such delusions. I don't so, know. We're we're only seeing some. I don't know. Somebody's still pulling the wool over our eyes, or. Oh yeah, and that's and that's why that's how we're not living in that delusion because we we openly admit, wow, I don't know what's going on. Sometimes <laughs> we, 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 we don't pretend that we're more intelligent than the uh, material. Should we call him H squared from now on? Henry 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 Higgins. <laughs> so uh, if if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to take a look at now the fourth issue of Fearscape, written by Ryan O'Sullivan. Uh, illustrated by Andrea Muti, colored by Vladimir Popov, and uh, what's called published by Vault Comics. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first three, pause this, go back, listen to the first three. We'll wait. All right, now, are you, are you, aren't you glad you did that? Yes, so, yes, I am. I think I need to go back and listen to what we've already done. You, you know. There's there's a lot going on in these stories. Now, we, we've kind of compressed it because we did the first three after they were all three published. But if you're doing this on a monthly basis and you hadn't looked at it for a full month... Uh, Which this just, time we kind of didn't. Our yeah, heaven. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot going on. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of a sophisticated book, or at least by my uh, you know by my standards it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little confusing when I first go through it, but then once I have a chance to, I think these, these sessions we have going over, it kind of help a lot. Mm. So this one on the cover copy on the back cover, it says after the tragic events of the third issue. And if you will remember in the third issue, Henry Henry killed the muse, the villainous Henry Henry finds himself. And then it stops. It says, no, the advertising copy provided here by the publisher will not do the events of our third chapter. Please refrain from calling them issues are hardly tragic. Our brave hero bested two villains, yet his reward is to be libeled against in marketing copy. H H. Is that Howard Hughes? Yeah. And the cover of this issue uh, once again, you know, it has that old-timey book look to it, and then it has a drawing of the cube-headed character. Uh, and I'm not sure, in the past we had Edgar Allan Poe and somebody else in the cube. I can't remember who the other one was. Uh, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be the same people or if they're different now, but it's a fairly, you know, like a mid-range close-up of him. Ah, the hero with a thousand faces. That's, sorry, I remember okay. it now. They just all look the same. So right. this issue opens up with Henry Henry kind of stumbling out in the street. And he says, reader, I murdered her. And then he's confronted by the hero of a thousand faces. Now that shot, which is now on the second page, I don't, I think the art in that particular shot took a little bit of a step down from what I'm used to so far here. Well, that's also the same picture on the front cover. That inset, if you were to, you just cut yeah. that. That's the same shot on the. You're front right, cover. but I'm I'm just I'm looking at the entire body. It just doesn't look like it has the same detail that I've kind of gotten used to. 
Well, could that be going to the state of Henry? Because if you look, everything is kind of distorted and, you know, distorted. Could it, could it be that he's just manifesting himself and that's why he's not totally detailed? Yeah, because we do pick up a little detail. Like, it gets a little more detailed in some other spots later on. All right, so I'll accept that as an explanation for why it doesn't look quite right there. Like, maybe it's an art choice to convey his state of mind. Yeah. He's confronting Henry, and he says, where is she? Where is the muse? And he, and in, uh, Henry's thinking, this man is going to kill me. And he, he says, she, and he lifts his hands up, and he's got her golden blood on his hands, and he says, she's dead. It's not what you think. A fear escaped. The fear escaped. Possessed my neighbor. Attacked my apartment. And the muse was there. She took the brunt of it, sacrificing herself so I could. She died in my arms, and all I did was watch. I'm a goddamn fraud. So, yeah, he is a fraud, and he's lying again. And the uh, the cube-headed <laughs> hero kind of stands there like in judgment for a moment and then says, I was wrong about you, Arthur. You're a good man. She would not have given her life for a fraud. I must go to her. Remain here until I return. And fret not, brother. We will find the creature responsible. Blood will have blood. (laughs) So Henry's Mm got to be, like, shitting his pants right now. (laughs) Well, you know, um, I don't know if I'm just looking too deep. When he says she's dead and then the hero with a thousand faces is talking to him, his face is more in detail, like he's... I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deep. I'm not sure. Everybody, no, I think you are supposed to look deep, but like, like he's more in focus, Henry. Yes, like maybe he's you know it was before he was in shadows and he was you maybe know, it's yeah, fraud maybe it's, crazy. Maybe and the message is that he's calming down. He's getting he's control. Calming down. He well, yeah, and he's lying his ass off <laughs> because he's you know he has to think on his feet to cover his butt. So then we cut into the apartment where the muse is laying on the ground amid a. A puddle of golden blood with uh, Arthur Proctor's daughter, you know, c- crying over her. And the uh, cube headed dude walks in and says, Do not be alarmed. I am a friend. And then we have a big text box that says, I beg you, do not look away. Do not skip ahead. I know you must despise me. I have behaved monstrously. Oh, reader, I dare not ask your forgiveness for fear you might. In your infinite compassion, bestow it. I am undeserving of your noble gaze, and it is my penance to leave you be. Yet I cannot, for our enemies, reader, gather in preparation of an assault against you, poised to strike when the bond between you and me is at its weakest. The hero with a thousand faces seeks to ensnare you, as he would the casual reader, with a with familiar trope and comfortable cliché. Once you are under his spell, he intends to force... Plain Jill, that's her name, before you, that you might imprint your own personality on her tabula rasa, and in doing so, promote her from tertiary plot device with delusions of selfhood into a full-fledged protagonist of our tale. They seek to use you, reader, that they might wrestle control of this tale from us. Their attack is not one that can be hidden with formula, storytelling technique, or obfuscated with metafictional commentary. No, we can only best them with sincere adherence to the purpose behind our play. We must now do the unthinkable. We must look to the past that we might predict the future and treat those two imposters just the same. So now, I'm taking that dialogue box, and I'm thinking that Ryan O'Sullivan is coming right out and telling us that Jill is going to be the hero of this story, Mm-hmm. But Henry Henry doesn't want us to to believe that because okay. because it's all a plot contrivance and and familiar you know uh, way of doing things. That's the way I'm reading that. So and as I said as I don't know if I said it as we were on or if it was before we started to record, but as this issue goes on, I think Henry Henry uh, kind of turns from our protagonist to an antagonist in his own way. That you know he's no longer. He he's starting to not be the focus of the book the same way. He's losing the spotlight in his eyes, or that's what he thinks they're going to steal the spotlight from him, make him the villain. So the the next page shows uh, the cover of Ulysses by James Joyce. Have you ever and, read that? No, me neither. 
<laughs> I, 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 I kind of wish I could say yes to that, but I can't. Uh, and it's got it on four separate panels uh, with it getting a little further away in each of them. And what's next to it? The Complete Poems of Viserin? And the Damned Spot by E. Devere. I'm not familiar with either of those. The Damned Spot. Well, the, when I think the Damned Spot, I think of Macbeth again with um, Out, Out, Damned Spot when can't wipe the blood from the hands. Uh, I'll look it up real quick. Okay, and while you do that, I'll keep going down. Uh, on the dialogue on here, it says, Behold the Irish play. A modernist masterpiece considered by casual readers and callous critics alike as as performative formalism with no aspirations beyond the deconstruction of its predecessors. Ha ha, uh ha, pro her, I don't even know what that is. is. Our enemies forget that by deconstructing his precursors, the tome's alliterative author, the best often are, was able to rid himself of his literary forefathers, and in doing so, create work devoid of their influence. From this original work bloomed an original consciousness, a protagonist with inward unlike anything else in literature. For that is the strength of this book, to see the human mind fully fictional, as all minds are, captured for eternity upon the page, an author without father, and thus father to all, a wholly original form of protagonist consciousness, devoid of the original sin of its precursors, they together immortal with this holy tome, Father, Son, and do you see now the great purpose of the tome before you, the influence scripture can, like this can have on the world? Am I still describing Ulysses? With this book. So, uh, we have, at this point, I guess it's Jill is going into the... Uh, into the apartment and well there's been this there's been this discussion between the two of them between jill and the the hero of a thousand faces while all that was going on and it's it's like we're listening to them behind a muffled door perhaps or or maybe they're outside coming into the apartment or this is where he where he finds her okay yeah because the first one says ha ha are her pra her her, my father. So mm-hmm. I guess if we're taking that as mumbled, she's saying Arthur Proctor is my father. Right. Her, han, hun, he, hun, him. <laughs> Henry, Henry. Henry, <laughs> Henry. Henry. <laughs> Here, hape. Did my he, uh, he, uh, huh. Here, hape. Here, hape. Henry, Henry. <laughs> then she says, okay, I will just give me a Fearscape. moment. Fearscape. Yeah. That has to be with that. Oh, so he's asking her to accompany him to the Fearscape, I think. Or Henry Henry was in the Fearscape. Well, she says, okay, I will. Just give me a moment. So I'm thinking oh. he's asking her to go. Confront, and then he says... Confront Henry Henry in the in the Fearscape, perhaps. And he says, do not Something. tarry. Time is of the essence. And then we cut to the Fearscape. Oh, reader, pay no attention to my nervous ramblings on the pages prior to think that I, fully qualified yet wholly insincere in the art of deceide, attempted to guile you back into kinship by means of a book report. <laughs> were I were I more a more practical ki- practiced killer, I would have I would have the words and the means by which to regain your lost affection. But alas, I am merely a hapless victim of unfortunate circumstance. We cannot consider the muse the true victim of her murder for the simple reason that she, unlike your humble narrator, does not have to live with the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the victim now. Yeah. Oh. And then the uh, the three brothers are there. And is that a throne or a torture chair? Uh, or something in between? Yeah. Only two of the brothers are there. The other third one tells them he is here. He was outside. Yeah, he, he comes in. And says he is here. So then the narration goes on. Still, I must not lose my focus. Not now when our enemies seek to blame us for her bloody end. Yes, reader, us. For they also condemn you for what happened to her. You who reveled in a story designed to uproot the very foundation of her monomyth. 
you who turned the page undeterred and entertained as I would cut her down. So now we're getting very meta here. Yeah, that it's our fault that we kept reading, which well, kind of reminds me of that kid's book. When I, I guess was some, somehow we took part we caused in, her, it by, yeah. in, her mur- in her death because we were entertained by it. Almost like the never-ending story thing, you know, and, and also, uh, you remember the Sesame Street book with Grover, the monster at the end of this book? Did you ever read that to your kids or read it yourself? No, I never did, actually. <laughs> well, I read it myself. And Dolls of the Thing, Grover keeps telling you not to turn the pages because at the end of the book is a monster. And he goes through and he's, like, tying the pages down and building all these elaborate things to keep you, the reader, from reaching the end of the book. I mean, it doesn't – there's no physical real barrier, but they're drawn on the page to make it look that way. And then each time you turn it, you destroy the – the construct that he's built to prevent you from turning the page until finally he gives up. You know, I wonder if this has anything to do with our book now that I think about it. So you, you finally get to the end of the book, but the monster at the end of the book is actually Grover. But he's like, Oh, I was the monster at the end of the book. I'm sorry. I'm the blah, blah, blah. And it has a happy ending, but I don't know. I don't, maybe have I just totally oversimplified this and insulted the author? Or am I just an idiot? You decide. At Maybe home. a little from each column. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That's the that, that well that was just an example of where you where you are, you know, we're an active player in this story. At least by Henry's account. Yeah, so we're equally guilty of her murder. Yeah, he says you you who through the act of reading granted a temporal existence to a being out of time, giving her the ability to have an end and align yourself with one capable of bringing her to it. So we're on his side in killing her. They would, they would say all of this and much more against you, against us. You must not listen to them. Okay. Let's see where we're at now. So now, ah. now, now we're getting back into the, uh, to the real, I guess the quote unquote real world, and uh, let us return to Jill, that wicked little wood pusher, pawn to S, she cries, and I, so palely privileged, the Pequod bites at my heels, am powerless to escape the enduring repost of her black movements. Now, so, Pequod isn't, isn't that, that from the Moby, ship Dick? Moby Dick? Yes, but is that is that you know what? Let me I don't know if that has other meaning that I'm not I aware of. I didn't know. Maybe that's a bird. How do you spell that? P E Q U O D. Q U O D. It's also the name of Scully's dog. No, that was Queequeg. Sorry, in the X Files, that got eaten by like this swamp beast. But you know, I've said too much. Uh, now let's. I haven't sh- said enough. That's me in the corner. Oh. <laughs> What does Pequod stand for? No, it's pretty much just Captain Ahab. So how does that relate to uh, ah, see, books Books that make us think? <laughs> A palely privileged sentence and I, so palely privileged, the Pequod bites at my heel. So while you're looking oh, at that, oh, oh, go ahead. He's the white whale. And the Pequod, Pequod is, is chased. No, he's the white whale. He's Moby Dick. He's the beast, oh. monster. And the Pequod bites at his heels. Okay. But he and doesn't consider himself to be a monster. That wicked little wood pusher. That would be like maybe the harpoons coming from the Pequod. Anyway. That's, well, I'll, that's, t- I'll, I'll go with that. That makes sense. Yeah. So we cut yeah. to uh, Arthur snake. Proctor. And Jill comes in with the, uh, the cube. And he says, Henry, is that you, my boy? Sorry, that just makes me laugh. Anybody that hasn't listened back to that one episode we did where, what was that? Space Adventures? What, what was that one? That's uh, exactly what it is. Space Adventures. Yeah, and it was about, you know, instead of being a square, he, he called him a cube. Don't be a cube. So it, I, I just can't, I just laugh now when I see the cube head. You're a cube, dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So, as we were saying, uh, the cube comes in with Jill, and then uh, he's, who's that with you? Is he a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk to him. Make him leave. And then the cube says, this is Arthur Proctor? She says, he's sick. 
Wait, I remember you. We met at Lilliput. Lilliput and... Belafishku? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what that is. You were taller back then. I'm thinking... I know one of those is a fictional place. I'm assuming I'm not familiar with the other one. I will look it up, because that's my job. Okay. And the cube says, Indeed, Scrivener, we have met many times on many distant shores, though your face was unknown to me then. Tell me, old friend, you have a former ward, Henry? Henry is such a good little boy. Every time he visits me, he behaves himself. He always does as he told, as he's told. And the cube says, is he to be trusted? And all oh, the Lapuit and Belafishku are two fictional island nations that appear in the first part of the 1726 novel Gulliver Travel. Okay. Yeah, yeah I knew Lilliput. I didn't yeah. realize Belafishku because I always, I always focus on the first part of it. I, I forget and that never there's the more, other one, yeah. that there's the other adventures in the book. Yeah. But, uh, Arthur responds after thinking about it for a moment. No, he lies. You mustn't believe a word that little brat tells you. <laughs> yeah. It's like he had a moment of clarity. Yeah. And the cube says, is he capable of murder? And then we cut away again mm. before we get an answer. And we're back to the fearscape where Henry is uh, in, I guess, the castle. It says, and now after a brief intermission of an incontinence inconsequence, Herman and Humbert's Fine translations present the first act of a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and full of fury, signifying nothing. So he's in, he's in front of the. Uh, I I actually the, knew the that reference, globe. but I couldn't do it like I I, I you couldn't do, do it like Cap, <laughs> like Spock, and and go you know Act One, Scene Two, you know. But yeah, I I knew that was from Macbeth. Sorry. So Henry, Henry is. I guess pleading his case before uh, the Italian storyteller from the first issue and the Minotaur. Well, he, well, first he's going to the sirens and he says, "Would all that your great King Neptune's oceans might wash this blood clean from my hands," which is reference to uh, uh, out out damp spot, you know, trying to wash the blood from your hands. I think that's Beth's wife that says that. Um, but yeah, then he's talking to Florentine. And the ox guy, the minotaur. Right. And send you, Florentine, before you here lies a storyteller bust, his ivory skin laced with her golden blood. And you, lean ox, would you stand idle as our foe dews the sovereign flower that he might drown the weeds? And you, good father, is it? Night's predominance on the day's shame that darkness does the face of the fearscape and tomb when thou living light should kiss it and reveal thy bloody stooge. Okay, he's, he's lost me a little bit there. <laughs> uh, it's the hero of the, uh, the older... Uh, so wait a minute. So, okay. So out of that, right, the fear gets that the hero of a thousand faces has murdered the muse of old claim. I can think of no reason he would do such a thing. All right, let me go back and reread that. So Henry says, My real name is Henry Henry. Arthur Proctor was supposed to be your storyteller, but his mind was too broken for him to answer the call. So I, his loyal protege, offered myself in his stead. The oh, muse lying knew, bastard. The muse knew this, for it was she who selected me as storyteller, escorted me through the grave of the poets, and protected me against your early trials. This break from tradition sadly marked her for death. You are an imposter? No, merely an earnest, earnest understudy. The muse told that the hero told told the, the hero that the world had changed. The storytelling was collaborative. Now that I was acting as Arthur's translator, able to mimic his voice perfectly, was able to defeat the greatest of his of all fears on his behalf. But innovation is insult to one trapped in the past, enough that the hero murdered her for it. Oh, and he just buys it. <laughs> I had feared the day would arrive when your world outpaced ours. The hero now holds too many faces. His kind was never meant to store over a thousand. Too many voices vying for control. It is no wonder he turned. <laughs> You're an idiot, first fear. <laughs> And the hero, our true hero, comes in. Turn, first fear. Do not speak of turning when you stand here listening to this petty fraud's lies. 
And what I don't understand here is, well, I guess I'll wait until we get to the end. Is How does the first fear have so much power over everybody and just won't listen to reason? At this point, I thought that they might, uh, you know, at Henry's uh, manipulations, I thought they might kill the hero of a thousand faces. But he just kind of, I don't know. We'll continue reading. You, you want me to read? Yeah, read. As a fear, read, read, stupid, read. How dare you confront me? I brought you here, child. Each one of you fallen myths and forgotten legends. I pulled you into this realm from your own dying plains that you might serve humanity against my brethren. And this is how you repay me with murder? Murder! Oh. Murder! Stop, he's telling... Well, that's a horrible woman. <clears throat> Stop, he's telling the truth. This man isn't Arthur Proctor. His real name's Henry Henry. Arthur Proctor is my... And Venom covered up her face. Uh, no, it's just a fear. No words from you, little witch. I know not where the hero found thee, but you are not welcome here. Return home, and with a fling of his... Uh, ether his uh, black leg fear tentacle basically throws her back home. Mm -hmm. Step not into the shadows for a second time. And um, then turns back to the hero of a thousand faces. You have stared too long into the into the black hero. Blah. You have stared too long into the black hero. You must be reclined for a time. But the rest. At least until the new muse comes of age that she might reveal to us your crimes. <laughs> That'll pay off here in a few pages. Well, the, the big thing—the big thing there—is just the comment that the new muse is going to come of age. That's—that's mm -hmm. that's kind of the reveal there. Yeah, and I guess I kind of see now why the hero doesn't. But he's like, so be it. She will tell you the truth. It, it is this plagiarist who is to blame for her death. And the fear says, Minotaur, escort the hero to the tower. He needs to rest there for a while. Uh, and then Henry's like, ha, well fought, First Fear. Glad that old relic got got what's coming to him. But uh, what is this about a new muse? <laughs> <laughs> you are a brave man to have reeled yourself, Henry Henry. We are lucky to call you storyteller. Oh, reader, to hear my name. My name! spoken with such respect to finally be seen i had always said the first fear would see straight through me how right i was <laughs> <laughs> as for the muse and then uh <laughs> we, we, sorry we have we have a a an infant a, a yellow or golden glowing infant who is brought in and points <laughs> points at henry and says bad and it's, uh, what is that, Florentine? Or uh, the yeah. one he was calling Florentine earlier? I, excuse me if I do not have his correct name. And But he, it's a subtle thing. I mean, well, I guess it's not subtle. Because he kind of jerks his head up and looks at Henry. Mm-hmm. But, 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 but the first but fear, fear is... is still an idiot. Yeah. Ha! Ha-ha! She thinks you're her baba. Such a divine creature. Even as a babe. <laughs> and then Henry's kind of looking on in horror as uh, the muse is kind of holding her finger up. It's like in a kind of like, uh, you know, God touching man on the top of the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely think that's what they're recreating there. It says, this is not the first time the muse has died. Your kind abandons the arts with surprisingly re surprising regularity for a species, species, for a species so drawn to it. Yet always she returns different, but the same. Retaining a small fragment of her memories from her prior life. And Henry's like, ah, I see. Well, I should probably go clean up. It wouldn't be right to be around the child while it's covered in her own blood. Indeed, storyteller. Petrarch, carry the Petrarch. infant to her chambers. That's what it is. I knew it wasn't Florence. Ensure she is kept safe. And you could see there's a, a kind of a close-up of his face turned askew, which makes you think he's suspicious of the danger already. Mm-hmm. Oh, reader, I was done for. Reincarnation. What nonsense. I had fought hard, reader, only to be shown once again the place. This place does not play fair. An honest it's man fair. cannot hope to win under such rules of play. 
Fortunately for us, however, I knew of a three-pronged weapon perfectly suited <laughs> for such rapidly shifting battleground. Triplets, where are you? We are here, here. We are here. And they all say in unison we are here. Now, have we kind of come to terms, or we kind of decided last issue that these are three aspects of Henry, or we think they are? Like we th- man- he's actually manifesting, maybe? We think they, that they may be, might be, but we're not sure just yet. Because yeah, that hasn't been confirmed. Either that, or it did, and we've missed the boat. And we need to go back and reread. That's <laughs> always possible. Yeah, blood hath been shed ere now, too terrible for the eye. The times have been that when the brains were out, the man would die and their end. But now they rise again. Please <laughs> stop butchering the bard, Henry. Your your amateur theatrics may cajole those lost myths within the weeping castle, but we are not so easily persuaded. We know you, dear boy. You would you would be better suited speaking plainly. Now, who is one of the triplets that's saying that is taking on a different countenance? But I don't know who he's supposed to look like. His manner of dress is still. It looks like it's fairly contemporary. No, 1900s? I thought it was contemporary. Really? Even with that vest. That white, that white vest? I thought that it was just a like sports a... jacket, and I thought those were wrinkles. <laughs> no, that, I would, no, look at the top of the next page, the way the shirt's cut. I think that's more oh, like Oh, yeah, a, okay, yeah, you're right. I think that's more like a like a waistcoat type thing. So, yeah, like I guess he's, he's supposed to look like an author of that day, but I'm not sure who it is. Yeah. And Henry says, I need your help. Already I hear your cries, reader, forewarning me of these Viennese whirls, much as I had warned you of Jill and that cube-headed fool. Cube. <laughs> be a cube. Sorry. <laughs> and while you were right to protest my dealings with them, you must remember at this stage of our tale, I had no notion of their true nature. I did not know it was they who vanquished the greatest of all fears. I still thought it the tigers. So he doesn't know they're, this, this, they're one and the same, I guess. Mm. I thought he did. Yeah, I thought he did too. I had yet to discover those masked miscreants had been possessed by something far darker than an undeveloped first draft reference to William Blake. Maybe that's William Blake that he's supposed to look like. Um, I wouldn't know. Undoubtedly, the triplets had some ulterior motive, but it was my hope that as manifestations of my inner being, so there you go. There's your con- there's your confirmation. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. I forgot. I they it. they would also share in my supism that they I, would be it, too self obsessed. I don't think that's William Blake. Not one hundred percent sure. Hmm. Hold on a sec. Okay. How much did? Oh, because while I was looking, it says how much did Jim Morrison know about William Blake? I'm trying to think back. Maybe they're mixing. Jim, maybe he's mixing Jim Morrison and William Blake, which would kind of look like that, perhaps. Maybe uh, it could be. So anyway, where do we? Uh... Regardless, a pact was formed. I would show them the location of the Weeping Castle, for much like the grave of the poets before it, they could not find it without a guide. Once there, they would remove for me the children of Prometheus. So. These three are becoming his weapon that he's using. It sounds like he's going to guide them to the castle where they're going to wreak havoc. In return, I would guide them to a monument within the Fearscape I had never encountered yet. They insisted I would be able to find. Hmm. So we cut back from there to, uh, I guess, the real world. And we're shown the living room. And Jill is on the other side day, saying, Dad, still awake. And clearly in the middle, we're meant to see, um, is it a letter opener, a knife? What is that? Oh, you know who the children of Pro- Prometheus are, right? Not offhand. Us. Oh, that's made nice. Man, made, uh, <laughs> he was given the task of molding mankind out of clay. That's nice of them. I knew that sounded familiar. So, uh... Jill comes in, says, I could really use someone to talk. And within the... Uh, in the crib. In the crib is... And wasn't that crib in here earlier, like in the first or yes. second? And, and why we, was it... And, and you, you questioned it then, like, you know, was it a, a uh, Chekhov's crib? Well, <laughs> I guess I guess so. 
Or it's the muse's crib now. So and then it says because the baby, but is it the muse? Because it's got yeah. the uh, the olive branch behind its ear, and right. then it says Fra- Francesco Petrarch, of course. Congratulations, Jill. It appears even Dante's Dante's iambic echo has now flocked to your black banner. Although I don't envy your allegiance to such a moral tragedy. Mortal tragedy. Mortal tragedy. Yeah, me. I think Petrarch left that to either protect the muse or to tell Jill, that, give her a heads up. Yeah, maybe. That, that would make sense. And then Arthur says, Henry, is that you, my boy? And she says, it's me, Dad, Jill, your daughter. Are you a friend of Henry's from school? No, it doesn't matter. You have to leave. Henry mustn't have friends here when he sleeps over. Only he is allowed. You have to leave. And then it says, before we take to the board, we must consider one final ally of Jill's, one whose eyes are still I still feel following me across the page. I speak, of course of the casual reader. How many of them are still with us? I wonder, reading along in the hope that my hidden trauma might reveal itself and explain away my monstrous actions, hoping that I, laughably redeemed through intimate exposition of inner pain, shall cast you aside, learned reader, labeling you pretentious and myself an unreliable narrator. No, the casual reader's presence here will not do, come, come reader. Let us speak privately in a language beyond their understanding, and let they, with practiced philistinism, consider this dialogue between you and I another performative formalist flourish for their entertainment. So, yeah, <laughs> what he's saying, or right. what I'm reading is because I'm sitting here saying, okay, Joel is becoming the protagonist now, and he's uh, he's he's mocking me for thinking that way. Well, in the narration. Right, but he's, pre- he's he's branding me as a casual reader, not sophisticated enough to see beyond that. But the following pages is where he talks about his he he'll discuss with us in his own language, which we'll get to that in a second. But I want to back up two panels. Now, I know I keep heart- saying this, and I I don't want to say I'm right, but, <laughs> but you but you do want to say you're right. Well, I don't know because remember early on we thought that there's something strange or Henry seems to have he, either Henry thinks something happened or it's been implied or maybe I'm reading too much into it that remember we said we thought that maybe Arthur Proctor did something to Henry as a mm-hmm. child. Yep. And two panels prior it says it doesn't matter. It says no no it doesn't matter. You have to leave. Henry mustn't have friends here when he sleeps over. Only he is allowed. You have to leave. So you're, now that, you're thinking Arthur could turn out to have a villainous side. I don't know because certainly possible. Why would you say that? Why? Why would I, that, I wouldn't. that specific line? <laughs> even if you were in like a the stupor that he's supposedly in, fading in and out of, where he has moments of clarity and doesn't, or when he's in a hospital bed, and other things we've seen Henry react to. I don't know, because he even says, Henry says, how many of them are still with us, I wonder, reading along in the hope that my hidden trauma will reveal itself and explain away my monstrous actions. Is that Mm -hmm. reference to two panels back, what Arthur says? Certainly possible. I think you you, you could be onto something. Now, the next few pages, I guess this is the secret, uh, the language... um, uh, uh, consider this dialogue between you and I another performant formalist flourish for their entertainment and it's uh, it's like we only have snippets out of bubbles yeah, we have full narration boxes but each box only has one word in it and the word does not take up the whole box it's like in one spot making you think that the rest of the words within that narration box have been erased mm-hmm so we have, I clutch the fatal art creation, heat oppressed, yet now the instrument. instrument. And basically the first box is the three aspects, the um, the siren, the, um, the disembodied brain with the stem, and the whichever author that was t- talking to Henry on a horse with a sword raised high. That's the panel that says I clutch, and then the fatal is Henry in the hallway, walking, you know, kind of towards us, and then art 
creation is the first fear sitting on a rock somewhere in a citadel in the fearscape. And then heat oppressed is Jill sleeping by the crib. And then the word yet shows the, the hero of a thousand faces basically in a prison cell. Now we cut back to Henry at a door and it says now. Then it cuts back to the, not, not T-H-E-E, but the, excuse me. And it's the three, um, the three aspects have now turned back into their purplish white garb with their purple skin and their white outfits and they're heading towards, what was that castle called again? That was a castle I think we saw in the second or the yeah, third. I, I don't remember what they call it, but it's the same castle they were in right. earlier in the story. All right, and then the last um, one that says instrument is Henry's hand on a doorknob. Now, then we pick back up when he says, I fear my diction wasn't perfect. A few common words may have slipped through. I doubt the casual reader capable of deciphering anything from them, though. We needn't worry. So and, now, and you know what? I, I, once again, you know the insult is that we're the casual reader, but uh, yeah, I couldn't really decipher exactly what they're saying. Yeah. I mean, I could, I can follow a somewhat of a narrative of the images, but the words aren't really doing it for me. Yeah. So uh, Henry's. Uh, we're looking at his. Well, and the last two things I read. There's are over the picture of. Uh, the panel of the sleeping baby muse, the sleeping baby muse. And the next is a, it's just Henry's feet says your continued presence. Learned reader now knowing what is to immediately follow is a fidelity. I am unaccustomed to, uh, and we see him pick up the knife slash letter opener that was next to, uh, Petrock's, uh, laurels. And he knocks them off the table when he picks up the knife. Mm hmm. For you are capable. Oh, go ahead. For for you are capable of looking away, of casting this book aside, and playing no further role in its execution. Interesting choice of words. Well, to again, now just to, to comment on that, he's basically once again making us culpable for whatever's going to happen here, saying you have the power to look away and just end the story, but mm -hmm. by reading on, you're culpable for whatever happens. Yet, you continue to read, to imagine me allowing me to exist as one half of, um, one, one half of our whole, our whole, you, a living reader, I, a dead author, and the laurels crash to the ground, rest on your laurels, I don't know if there's some symbolism there, and then he's walking by Jill, who's on the couch, and says, you know what I must do, and, like, he's, she's on the couch, and he's walking past her, and then we have a close-up on her and says you know what we must do and thank you dear reader <laughs> oh yeah i couldn't have done this without you and the last shot is a close-up of the baby sleeping in the crib with henry henry looming above her uh with the knife in his hand ready to do whatever it is he's gonna do now is he thinking maybe if he kills the muse as a child like kind of like when you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy it eventually fades you think if he kills the muse as a child before she can like fully develop, it might wipe out what she remembers? I think that may be you know, one I mean, of the few things killed... he could hope for at this point. Yeah. And I, I mean... think he's also hoping to blame Jill for it. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, no, is he really going to kill a baby? I didn't even think of that. He could blame well, Jill. I don't know. We will see, I guess, in another whatever month. Or well, he's months, a killer we'll regardless. Yeah. Is he a baby killer, though? Well, she's a mythical creature. Can you really kill a mythical creature? She's apparently re reincarnated once she's killed anyway, but... Yeah. I know I couldn't do that. I couldn't stab the little golden baby. No. The golden child. I say, I, I, I want the knife. Please. No, so, now we gotta wait, I guess. Is it ever, is it bi-monthly or monthly? Uh, I don't know. Because we kind of got into this late in the game. Uh, but... This is the first issue that we're reviewing while it's still on the stands. So we'll see if, if Mr. O'Sullivan continues to send us, uh, you know, we, we'll get to issue five and go through that one. I think this answers our question as to uh, whether the uh, graphic novel will be four issues or six, though, because I, uh, I, don't, I don't see how you'd do a, a trade or a graphic novel with just these four issues. I think you need a little bit more of a complete story arc than we have so far. Yeah. And it, and again, it's nice to have something that kind of makes me think. My brain hurt. 
Yeah, well, once again, I have to say, I'm more enamored with it, having gone through it panel by panel with you, than I was when I just sat and read it, read it on my own. When I read it on my own, I thought, okay, you know, it's a little bit of a twist that they're turning around now. They're, they're no longer giving us the ambiguity as to Henry's uh, possible heroism. Yeah. And uh, But other than that, you know, like, I, it just kind of felt like it, the story f- flowed fairly quickly reading it. But then going over it panel by panel, there's things in there that by allowing myself to read it quickly, I missed. Mm-hmm. So doing it this way is, is much better. I need help reading my comic books. <laughs> yeah because uh, the first time i went through I, I burned through it and i was just like oh yeah okay i gotta go back and read it slow now but i am i am definitely slower, continuing slower. to enjoy this <laughs> so good good job by uh the creative team uh just from a rating point of view <sighs> have we been rating these yeah, oh I, we, I, we I guess we have. that's right that's right I'm not, uh, I'm not wild about the cover. I, I really don't like the image that much. Yeah, compared to the... Like, I think the, the previous the ones were better. So I'm going I'm to say a, a C-plus on the cover. The interior art, I also feel, is kind of just a slight step below what we got in the previous issues. I'm thinking... But I think uh, that's may more been... along the lines of the... Uh, because of the... We're now in more the surreal, unrealistic world, maybe. Possibly. Because I'm... Because I'm scrolling back through three, and anytime there's re- basically real, real people, it's fairly detailed, especially on them. Maybe mm-hmm. not on all the backgrounds. I mean, it's not a Vinnie Coletta job, but <laughs> but then once you get into the surreal, things blur and things are not defined as well. Yeah. And so I can let that go. I'm very. Not thrilled with the way that the the hero of A Thousand Faces is drawn throughout this. I I feel like he should be drawn a little bit more cleanly. His his body should be a little bit more detailed. He should look just slightly more threatening than he does. Every Uh, every time you say that, I just want to sing the Land land of a Thousand Dances. Nah, 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 nah. (laughs) But I want to do the wrestler edition with all the wrestlers. (laughs) Sorry. But, I mean, overall, I think the art is good. But it's not... I think the previous issues were better. So I'm going to say a B on the artwork. And once again, the story, like I said, on the second reading with you, I feel like I'm much more impressed by it than I was the first reading. And I like that it's a story that makes us think and that we're still trying to piece it together, but entertained as we're going along. So when you add all that together, I'm still, I'm going A on the story. And I'm going to give the book overall an A-. minus. Um... Yeah, the cover, C plus. It's still good, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, I I was going to say I wanted to mark it down a little bit because it's something that happens inside the book. But I know in the past we've been critical, like, oh, this this scene doesn't even take place in the book, (laughs) which is a criticism we have of a lot of modern books that it's basically just a pinup. So it's kind of hard for me to say, "Wow, this is just a this is just a picture taken straight from inside the book," and not sound like an a hole. So I'm going to give it a C plus, B minus for the cover, uh, B B plus for the art, and A for the story. So yeah, like an A minus as well. So we're still shooting high, high marks. Yeah, definitely. But then, but then have all the covers been scenes from the book? Now that I think about it, yeah, I, I believe they have. Pretty but, much, yeah. But I think this is the weakest of the four, just the same. Yes, yes, uh, this is the weakest of the four. I, uh, on on the one hand, I say I look at this cover and it wouldn't inspire me to pick up the book, except for the fact that I I really kind of feel like if you don't have the first three issues and you haven't read it already, you shouldn't pick up this book anyway, because you're well, gonna you'd be to- you're this, gonna be totally this, lost. You look at this cover and go, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> well, the the only thing you'd, you'd hope for is that it would inspire somebody who didn't already read it to seek out Go back all and read four issues. Yeah, because then then it's a worthwhile thing. But but if you just picked up this issue and started to read it, I can't imagine that you'd be able to kind of follow the narrative at all without having read you know what went on before it. So the picture at the end of the book, the next issue, yeah. Uh, should we t- touch on that a little bit? It looks like, like half of Henry's body is normal. The other half is being transformed into something. 
And is almost, wait a minute, is that the same fear he fought and killed? Almost like he's becoming... Let me see. Maybe maybe he's transforming into one of the, into a fear. I don't know. I think he's transforming. Oh, no, I think he's transforming into the fear. Yeah, I think that's the same fear that fought the, him that the, the other guy shot. Yeah, yeah, that is because that's what I'm looking at. He's got the horn. He's got the clawed hand. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, we're gonna need issue five. <laughs> One way or the so, other. Yeah, I'm thankful that we keep getting sent the, these these preview copies, though, because I am enjoying Well, you know, if he was smart, he would stop sending them to us and make us go buy. <laughs> but I believe once the trade comes out, I'll I'll plop down some coinage for the trade because I've enjoyed this. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this is something the same I wouldn't thing. mind having in, in, you know, on a shelf for, yeah. for, for my son to sell once I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it for Fearscape number four, and uh, I'm pretty confident next week we will not be doing Fearscape number five, because I think we still have a little while before it comes out. So next week you'll hear something else. Who knows what it might be? Who knows what <laughs> Who knows what books lurk, lurk in the hearts of men? Right. Scott Gardner knows. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.